When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's Rondo on the left side. Rondo dribbling into the basket. Kick it to Kuzma. Top of the key, LeBron. Three-pointer by LeBron is perfect. LeBron has 22-9-9. Yes, it's very concerning. I think, you know, the, the big thing is to win on the road. It's hard to win anywhere in the NBA, but to win on the road, it takes a lot of toughness. Well, we got to get done. We can't get out-rebounded every night, and until we fix that, we're not going to be successful. 101 all. Rondo into the front court. Four minutes left. Three-pointer by Ingram. It's good. Lakers 104. Wolves 101. Myron Van filling in for Mackey. And John, we got my man Chip Scoggins here. Old Star Tribune reunion. This is a reunion tour, this right? Is, yeah, we didn't even know. We didn't know until <laughs> a few minutes ago. And obviously, Manny, the one and only. How we doing, gentlemen? We're here, man. Um, so, fellas, I have been on the road for 24 of the last 29 days. <laughs> All right. So I've been, you name it, man. I've been to small uh, motel in Spokane, Washington. I've been San Fran. I've seen the highs and lows of America right in this last month. Everywhere I've gone, I get the same question. What's wrong with the Timberwolves? And, and like, because people know I'm in Minnesota, I don't know what to say anymore. I, I tell them, look, I'm just as confused as you are. And people here are just as confused as people are nationally. But I, when I watched last night's game, a loss to the lowly Lakers, I, I, I guess I was kind of sitting there going, What's next for this team? Like, where do they go from here? Because I feel like in the NBA, fellas, you either have to be a team that's fighting for now or you got to be a team that's saying, okay, five to seven years from now, maybe we'll be that team, the team of the future. I don't know where they stand. Yeah, well, they're in this kind of weird limbo stage because you know there's an expiration date on Jimmy Butler. Yeah, You don't know when it is. The sooner the better, but at some point there he's going to be traded. Yeah, and so then you're back to okay, is this Towns and Wiggins and building around them? And Wiggins is just completely. I, I don't know if you can even count on him anymore. I mean, it's just he sort of is what he is. Yeah, and the to me the worry, worrisome thing is the way Towns has played the first however many games it is here to start because he either is not engaged at all. Or we've seen a couple times here on this road trip where he starts really strong. You saw it last night again. Had a block, had a three-pointer, uh, some quick early points. And you're like, all right, this is going to be one of those big Towns games. And then he just 
sort of disappears. Yeah. And this Butler thing is just completely weighed on him. And so when they do trade Butler, you have to see what they get back, but they're back to, I guess, building around Towns and Wiggins and hope that they can get enough pieces and those guys develop. But that's a big, big if right now. I, I got to be honest. Every time Andrew Wiggins like caught a pass, I figured he was going to miss. Like I, I had, to, yeah. There was never a shot that he took where I was like, he's going to hit this. <laughs> like every shot he took, I was like, this is going to be a miss. Mm-hmm. And he actually wasn't the worst player on the floor. That was Towns, mm-hmm. who, who you know, was in L.A. for the first quarter, and then he was on a beach somewhere, apparently, in, in L.A. Yeah. for the rest of the game, that, yeah. right? Yep. I, I, I'm, like, looking at these guys, and I'm going, last year, you could have made the case that this team had something that they could build on, right? Even if you lose Jimmy Butler, which it's not like this is some mystery. Everyone knew in 2019 that Jimmy Butler could go. Mm. You felt like they had enough young pieces to be competitive. Now we're sitting here looking at a team that won't get rid of Jimmy Butler. Uh, they got their best young player who's been up and down. There's a $147 million contract that they can't unload with Wiggins. They're kind of stuck. Yeah. So when you're stuck, is this the time to consider, if you're Glenn Taylor, putting this team on the market and maybe letting somebody come in and start fresh? I mean, is this the moment where you say, you know what, this is just too much, I've done enough, let me give this to somebody else. I, you know, without knowing his inner thinking, my guess was when he built this thing with Tibbs and brought Tibbs in and Towns and, and Butler that he wanted to get the the organization back on that footing where you're going to the playoffs every year like they were during that run with, with KG and Flip. Yeah. And even if, let's say if they kept Butler the whole year, I don't they look like a playoff team to you? No, I mean, no. me either. Right so, they don't look like an NCAA tournament team right now. <laughs> they're four and eight. They guys. look like an NIT yeah. team, man. Yeah, because they're, I mean, they're four and eight. The thing is, is they they're getting absolutely killed rebounding, and you just can't win NBA. Yeah. They're going to be a bad rebound and a bad shooting team. And uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know if that's even part of his discussion or, or plans or kind of what he's thinking there. But it is going to be interesting because they're going to shift into a different phase now. With, yeah. with the Butler and and you know the Wiggins thing, I, I you're right. I don't. We we were all saying you should trade him last summer. Well, yeah. who's going to take on that contract? The way he's playing, I mean, he's unmovable at this point. And so maybe having Butler gone will spark something with these guys. Yeah. Almost like uh, a relief lifted off their shoulders. I I don't know that that'll happen with Wiggins. I think it might happen with Towns and some other guys yeah. that. I tend to think Towns will get going a little bit too. more once I, the Butler thing it sort of resolves I, itself. I agree, but Wiggins, I think, I don't know. Wiggins is who he is. But yeah. I wanted Towns. Yeah. Like, I feel like this was a moment and there was an opening for, okay, you're Jimmy Butler, you're the all-star, you're the one they brought in to elevate this franchise. But I'm going to fight to show you that this is my team. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I felt like that would spark a competitive spirit in Carl Towns that just hasn't been there. Like, you coming in to tell me that this is my your team and you're an outsider and I've been here from the beginning and they're going to build around me, I'm going to fight you for it. I, I did Rick Mahorn's NBA show on Sirius a couple weeks back. And I said, Rick, what would happen with the 80s Pistons? It, you know, Rick said that, Rick said there would have been a meeting. Bill, Bill Lambert, Rick Mahorn, and Jimmy Butler. And guess what? Wouldn't have been any – you wouldn't have heard any reports – you wouldn't have heard anything, but I tell you what, Jimmy wouldn't be the same dude because they there are teams in the past that would have never tolerated yep. you embarrassing the brand and the franchise and embarrassing the players in that locker room with your antics. 
there are teams that just would have said, we're going to deal with this in-house. Yeah. I don't care what the NBA or the owner or anybody else says. Come to this meeting with me and uh, Rick Mahorn, and, and let's think, see what happens and after. That, and that, I think that's that's the old school mentality. I think there's a lot of teams that probably would have had. I mean, you think Larry Bird wouldn't have thrown a punch? Oh, Larry, Larry he would have stuck Robert Parrish. Robert Parrish with the hammer fist. Yeah, but put him to sleep. But players are just so different now because they, they have the same agents. They work yeah. out together. It's it's. Some, I was talking to somebody about this the other day that it's almost like their their own little uh, mini corporation. Yeah, and so you you just don't have that and. You know, there's there's just not that same kind of us against them yeah. type mentality, and so, but I you wonder at some point if somebody in that locker room is not going to stand up and say the next time Butler says ah, I got General Sormus can't go tonight if somebody doesn't lose their mind on him. And that's the thing too is like that's where the biggest issue with this team lies is that you have because you have guys in that locker room that actually really do like Jimmy Butler and have a good relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Tyus Jones said, that's yeah. my so, guy. He bought me a plane, got me a plane. And so really this whole thing boils down to Towns and Wiggins being the two guys that Jimmy, for the most part, has an issue with. And both, neither one of them have even like stepped to him or sort of stood up for themselves at all. And there's nobody, and everybody else is like, they're sort of cool with Jimmy. Not that they're necessarily okay with what he's doing but they're cool with him so they're not nobody else is going to step up to him and say dude come on like, this ain't cool and that's why i agree with myron that I, I wouldn't expect wiggins to do that because half the time you don't even know if he's engaged but yeah. but towns is in a different category this is his team you're you are the guy that they're yeah. building around and he's you know from the very beginning when when butler first made this he's just sort of been I don't, I don't know how to describe how he's handling it, but he's, you know, he's, I'm just focused on basketball. I'm just worried yeah. about me. I'm just trying. But at some point, you want him to say, you know what? This is not acceptable. I mean, yeah. this is, this is. Take control. Yeah. This is, we can't have a guy, you know, maybe our best player deciding when he wakes up in the morning if he's going to play or not. Yeah. We need everybody. And to this point, you know, no one's been willing to call him out on and it. I, and I wonder if that's why. Butler did what he did at that practice because he knew he could. And he knew nobody would step to him. Without and, a doubt. And that's why I'm saying if you're Glenn Taylor, at what point do you wash your hands of what is happening with this franchise? Because at some point, Glenn Taylor's going to sell, right? I mean, three to five years, there have been conversations before this. It feels like to me, now might be a good time to, to change hands. And maybe you bring in an owner who doesn't necessarily have the local ties and connection. Because I think Glenn is just busy, and he hired, like, Tibbs was supposed to handle this. Mm-hmm. Now the guy you hired to be your manager can't handle it. Now you got to step in. And like, Tibbs, like, Glenn Taylor don't want to go and handle this stuff. That's why he got Tibbs. But here he is having to be more hands-on than he wants to be because Tibbs can't get the job done. And really, if you think about it, too, you go back to Flip. When Flip came back. Yeah. Glenn, That's who they need. Glenn was able to sort of back off they need because a flip. he he had he had Flip in place and Flip was running the show and he trusted Flip and but then obviously we know how that turned out and tragically we lost Flip and now it's like Glenn tried to do that same sort of thing with Tibbs yeah. and just put put give Tibbs the keys to the car and let him drive it and he would have to you know stand back but Tibbs is not Flip. And no. Tibbs is not no. going to handle things the way Flip would have handled things, and now you have this situation being what it is. I but the thing I wonder about not even so much selling, but at what point does Glenn Taylor go to Tibbs and say, "You know what? 
whatever the best offer you have on the table is, we're yeah. taking it today. Yep. That's it. Yep. I mean, we're, we're, this yeah. is not going to drag on any longer. Let's what do it, it. Whatever the best offer is, let's do it and let's go. That 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 feels like to me a move that has to happen because Tibbs is not. Tibbs is going to ride this Jimmy Butler train until he can't. Mm-hmm. Right, and he knows there's nobody who can be no his voice in, Jim in the locker room. The thing I don't get for a coach who has this persona of gruff, yeah, or, or tough, how he allows a player to, <laughs> to, to show up and say, "You know what? I'm out. Dude, I'm out. I'm out tonight. Good luck to you." Imagine Pop. Imagine, <laughs> imagine somebody going to Pop in San Antonio with with. You know, I play when I want to play. General soreness. General, could you imagine <laughs> two weeks into the season? Could you imagine? I mean, Bruce Bond would have jumped off the top rope <laughs> on Jimmy. Like it just would not happen in these winning locker rooms. And we were talking about before the show, the Golden State Warriors right now. You couldn't pull this there. No, you couldn't go to their locker room and and do this. There is a there has never been a consistent culture here, and no. I felt like last year was the first opportunity post Kevin Garnett. To maybe build that young towns, young Wiggins, Jimmy Butler, whether he stays or goes, and now it feels like they've squandered all the momentum that appeared to be there a but, year ago. But the thing is, Myron, even as that team was winning, what they win sixteen more games than they had the previous year, more from thirty-one to forty-seven. Yeah. They, yeah. they just felt like the most miserable, dysfunctional group you've ever been. They did. And every game, Jimmy was ripping the young guys, and you know internally, I know the Wolves, uh, there are people in there that were frustrated because. There was such negativity being written about the team and talked about. Um, they're like, well, you know, the playoffs and yeah. sixteen uh, win improvement, but it's, you could just tell that this was not sustainable. There was yeah. something wrong in that locker room that was not going to work, and it wasn't fun to watch. It no, really was not. Even though they were winning games and contending and sort of get, you know setting themselves up to get to the playoffs, it wasn't fun. It was not fun basketball to watch because. You're looking at it, and Tibbs is still playing his starters heavy minutes, and they're not shooting threes, and they're losing to bottom feeders in the Eastern Conference. A lot of, he- a lot of just, hero ball. From- yeah, a lot of hero ball, and you're just like, okay, yeah, they're winning, but they're not winning as much as they're probably capable of, and you've got this grumpy coach that's walking up and down the sidelines just barking <laughs> at everybody, and it's just not. it just wasn't fun last year. And it should have been because it was the first playoff appearance in a decade and a half. Just send them to the eighties, man. You remember, Mo, remember when Moses Malone put Kevin McHale in a headlock and let Dr. J just tee off on him? Like, like this. I'm not. I'm not like advocating violence, but like teams used to handle these things before they were ever. How many fights have happened to, with pro sports teams that we never heard about until maybe twenty years later when somebody said, "Hey, this thing happened." There used to be like a way where teams handled things internally. And to your point, Manny, there's no one on this roster who's willing to handle this internally. And that's the unfortunate part. We got a tweet from Bill that uh, he tweeted all three of us. Jimmy Butler is like Wesley Snipes in Demolition Man. He does whatever he wants while everyone looks out, what looks in horror with no idea on how to deal with them. Yes, very true. Perfect example. That is very true. Perfect way to describe that it. That is yeah. almost too accurate. He is exactly like Wesley Snipes. Oh, my. He's also a great actor. Because all of this is fake, I think. I don't think Jimmy's as tough as he's acting. Oh, yeah. I, and he's this certainly not as important as he has uh, you know, made people think he is. What has Jimmy won? They're still at the bottom of the league defensively. Yeah. They're still not a team that can beat anyone in the West in a playoff series. Right. Like, who is Jimmy Butler? We have created this myth of Jimmy Butler. And if you can just get away from that, maybe it'll be easier for Tibbs to let him go. He's not that important. Yeah, it's... but. But there are games like, you know, the Lakers game here. Yeah. 
when he hits five threes in the fourth quarter. Yeah, people and go scores, crazy. And, and you're like, yeah, he's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, he's, 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 pretty, he's pretty good. He's, but you know it's not going to last. Pretty you good. know this whole thing is not going to last. He's pretty good, long. but he's not good enough to elevate this franchise, I think, to the point where people expect him to get. We'll be back after this. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh, that's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. And uh, Myron and Chip, I'm happy to inform you that uh, we have no major crashes around the area right now. So that's always a good sign, right? Very good. That is very good. Very at least nice. we don't have any crashes that are going on at 600 First Avenue right now. <laughs> yes. so, you know. Listen, this is this has been as chaotic as I heard the roads were a couple days ago here yeah. uh, when I was on the road. Um, I'm going to stand up for Andrew Wiggins, right? But not the way maybe you, you think, right? I, Andrew Wiggins, the deal doesn't make sense in hindsight, right? I, I get why they did it. Like, I get why you feel like if this guy blossoms into something, you don't want him to be in Orlando, you know, in Detroit somewhere, and you're watching him from afar. I understand that. And he was so young, you know, so you think he's going to he's going to figure out. But at this point, you know, there are enough questions to say maybe they should have hesitated on that. I I agreed with the contract at the time, so it's it's uh, you know it's hindsight judgment yeah. on my point. To look back, it's like oh they shouldn't have done that. Now there, I, I will say on the first guess, there are people that said, you know what, he hasn't earned this contract. There were a lot of people, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I I think there was enough uh, glimpse of it. There was yeah. enough thought that okay, he's going to keep on this on this track to where he is going to keep developing and. This is sort of how the NBA works. Yeah. You know, yeah. this is just sort of the economics yeah. they do. of it. Yeah. And this is what they do. And so, I, you know, when they did it, I said, you know, he's probably not a max player now, but this is, it was the right move. He'll play into being you know, that. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, he's gone the opposite way. I he, mean, he has. He, he's, he's not what people expect. And more than ever, if there were ever a year for you to want Andrew Wiggins to, reach his potential. Yeah. It, it's, it's a year now. like this, right? It's where you now. can say, yes. okay, we we lose Jimmy and there's still something there, but clearly it doesn't appear that way. Here's why I say I'm going to stand up for him, though. Trading him is not going to fix anything. First off, who are you going to get? Who's picking up four years, $147 million? You know, for a guy who has been one of the worst defensive players yeah. in the league. For a guy who's been one of the most inconsistent players in the league. Like, not going to happen. Who's, yeah. What are you going to get a value in return? Nothing. You, Minnesota, you are stuck with Andrew mm-hmm. Wiggins. The best hope that you can have, I think, is that somebody comes in here who can get to him, who can figure him out, and can turn him and mold him yep. into yep. whatever his potential is. I don't even know what that is, but you That's want someone in here who can help him. Yeah, I wrote a column on earlier in the season. I went back and looked at it, and uh, his shots at the basket dropped significantly last year because yeah. Butler had the ball and he just basically became a guy who just stood on the three point line on and, and shot it. Yeah, he shot a lot more threes, but his percentage went down. And so he was taking those long turnaround 18 footers yep. and just Oof. inefficient shots. And I even asked him, I said, is that, you know, earlier in your career, you're a guy who at least tried to tack the basket, you know, get to the rim more. And he's like, yeah, that's part of my focus. And it's, I haven't looked at numbers this year, but I don't think he's doing it as much as he thought he was. Uh, the free throw shooting, I have no idea what happened there last year. 
Um, yeah. and, 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 you know, my colleague, Patrick Royce, he said he had, I think as a tweeter, his column, he's right. He's like, his biggest issue is he can't shoot. That's yeah, which, which is an important part of basketball. <laughs> he can't that's, shoot. that's the key part of basketball. <laughs> he can't shoot, and guys, he can't handle the ball either. Yeah, he can't. If he, he tries to beat somebody off the dribble, it just it just doesn't work. You know what it is? Uh, on, on my playground as a kid, I was one of the more athletic kids. You know, I, I was I was fast. Yeah, they they made me the number one pick in hockey. We had an intramural <laughs> hockey. We had a, we had an intramural <laughs> hockey league, right? And they made me the first pick. Why? Because they thought. Because I could jump high and I was fast, that that would translate. I was the worst hockey player on my team, but they drafted me number one. I feel like Wiggins is that. You look at him, Chip, man, and you yeah. go, mm-hmm. even if he's not that skilled, you look at him and go, he has such an advantage over everybody else athletically. He can jump I'll higher. take it. Yeah, because I can. He can we jump can, higher can and run faster things. than everybody yeah. else. But you got to yeah. have some skills to go mm-hmm. with it. And I. His demeanor bothers a lot of people too. You look at Josh Koji, like that kid. I, love I don't Josh know what Kogi. he eats for breakfast. I'm but, very but high on that Josh kid Kogi. is sleeping two hours a night, and he's waking up shooting basketballs because he just loves to play. Yeah. You see Wiggins, and you're like, it's indifferent. Do you still love this? Yeah. It's like I, I cover Ralph Sampson the third. You know, Minnesota. I said, Ralph. Sometimes, man, I look at you and it looks like you don't want to be out there. He looked up and he said, Yeah, you're probably right. I said, Ralph, yeah. you can't, you like, can't, what? Yeah. you can't say that, Ralph. You're supposed to say something else. I feel like Wiggins is that way too. Yeah, and it, you know, in sports, it's always dangerous to be the the body language police. But in this case, I don't think it is because it's just the the lack of indifference, just the indifference and the lack of urgency, and just how he seems content sometimes to just kind of float around and shoot an occasional three. I mean, you want him. To be in attack mode all the time, and and be I think engaged. the thing, and yeah. I, th- I think the thing. Well, you remember last year was a game, must have been game four, uh, in the playoffs, and Reggie Miller was imploring him. Yeah. He's like, "You've got to be engaged here. This is a this is an elimination yeah. game. You can't be a passenger." And and the thing I think that's frustrating is we'll see those games, you know, when when LeBron was in Cleveland, yep. or mm-hmm. the occasional Laker game, or whatever, yep. where he'll rise up and you'll have one of those games. You're like. There it is. That's yep. that's what you're looking for. Yeah. And then it is two weeks of back to indifference. And so that's why I, as long as I've done this and you've done it a long time too, Myron and Manny, that you sort of are what you are. Mm-hmm. At this and, point. Yeah. At we this used to point, say this yeah. about Bryant McKinney. This is the year he's going to turn <laughs> yeah. it on. Yeah. It's going to matter to him. You, you sort of are what you, you can't yeah. change your personality and you might develop, a guy might develop a different skill or whatever, but in terms of how you approach it and your demeanor and your, and kind of your competitiveness, you don't really change that. Yeah, Manny, what's the solution if there is one? Well, I mean, what? Where do you? How do you approach Andrew Wiggins, knowing that the deal is real? It's going to be hard to move him, but I don't I, know what else you're going to get out of him. I think, and we've actually on the Raised by Wolves podcast, we've talked about this a little bit this week about just what do you? I mean, forget about the contract at this point because it is what it is. But how do you get the most out of him? How do you get the best you can possibly get out of him? And I think you got to move him into a scorer off the bench type of role. And you've got to find a way that you've, you've got to put him. Boy, that, that's, that's a but, tough but, sale but, but there. That, I, I know, yeah, I know I but you know what, fly. Chip? The, the contract is what it is, and you can't, you can't change it. I, but I think, you know? I think him, if you think he's not engaged now, 
have a conversation, tell him you're coming off the bench. He's be, really going to check out. He'd be on the beach with Towns, <laughs> wherever else they were I last night. I, I, I think you've got to find a way to, and and you still you can still play him the minutes that you're playing that you've been that you've been playing him. Yeah, but you let let him go up against second units let, and let and give him give him one ball handler off the bench. Yeah, don't don't let him handle the ball. Let him play off the ball and let him cut and slash to the basket off the ball. That's because that's the best way you're going to find a way for him to score high percentage shots because just letting him loaf on the three point line, just let him stand there and he's not engaged and he's not interested. Yeah. You're not going to get anything out of him. You've got to find, you've got to find something to get him engaged. Find one thing that can get him engaged and going. And I don't know if there is one, but you've got to try something. Would it, do you think a different coach? Yeah. yeah, I I mean, that's, do you all think a Brad roster, but for both of you, could a Brad Stevens, and I'm, I'm obviously not yeah, 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 yeah. Could a Brad Stevens type come here, do whatever magic he does, and fix an Andrew Wiggins? Could that kind of guy fix? Him? I think you got to try. I, 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 I'll go back to my original point that I, I think a player sort of is who he is, yeah. personality wise. But I think a different voice might be able to pull more out of it. Now, I don't think he's ever going to be a top ten player. I just don't. I think yeah, he, the visions of that are, are done. But I think there's more you could pull out of him. Yeah, than what you're getting now, a, a, a different uh, coach. Yeah, but I think I mean the the different coach thing. I I think that needs to be in play for just about everybody on the roster. I mean, I think I think Towns needs a different coach. I think there are a lot of other players on this team that just needs a different. They need a different voice. Yeah, it just Wiggins feels like that guy who was just always bigger, faster. Could jump higher, but along the way didn't have to learn as many skills as everybody. And you see a lot of kids like that. Mm-hmm. Tony Bennett, uh, Anthony Bennett, you know, yeah. who was also a, a Canadian player. Who I saw Anthony Bennett in high school at a tournament here, and I and I I figured he was on steroids. Like he was he was so <laughs> big and strong and so yeah. dominant. Well, you just hadn't seen anybody like that. And Myron, that's I mean, you see it as a you know college basketball expert. That is the one downside to the one and dones in that if yeah. you're so superior athletically you can still get away with that one yep. year in college mm-hmm. well guess what everybody in the nba is superior athletically exactly. <laughs> it, doesn't, exactly. it doesn't work and and a guy like jimmy butler who doesn't jump as high just worked his way into being mm-hmm. a top 20 guy if you could combine the work ethic that he has with the wiggins i mean that's how you get the lebron types the problem is wiggins has the lebron dna the physical uh, advantages and a lot of those guys don't work as hard as the and, Jimmy Butlers. And, and that's why, you know, they're kind of hot and cold. And that yep. goes back to our, and I'm not excusing or, or anything for Jimmy Butler, but now we, you know, he know, we know why he's frustrated. He mm-hmm. sees that on a daily basis. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he, a guy has this big contract, and Jimmy had to build himself from nothing. Yeah. Self made player. And he sees a guy that's that athletically gifted. Bothers him. That, yeah, it absolutely bothers him. Rubs him the wrong yeah. way. Yeah. And so he, you know, and we heard it. Loud and clear last year, and I think that's why he said, I don't want to be part of this. Yeah. We're going to switch gears to the NFL. We got Matt Collar on now. Yeah, Matthew Collar coming yeah, up next. Matt, yeah. Does he like Matt or Matthew? Matthew. I always call him Matthew or okay. Collar. You could probably, he'll probably respond to Matt, though. No, I don't call him Matt. He's not used to being Matt. We got, we got <laughs> Matt or Matthew Collar coming up next. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley Dokley. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. 
1500 ESPN. Join Matthew Collar and Judge Zolgat for a live taping of the Purple Podcast at Lucky's 13 Pub in Plymouth tonight from 5 to 7 p.m. Uh, we'll be giving away a pair of tickets to watch the Purple take on Miami and other fabulous 1500 ESPN prizes. Lucky's 13 Pub in Plymouth tonight, 5 to 7 p.m. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events, Myron. Well, Myron Metcalf, Chip Scoggins, Manny Freshill back on. Uh, Mackie and Judd filling in. Uh, we got Matthew. Coll- Matthew. <laughs> Do you want Matthew or Matt? We had we had this debate before the break. Oh, I usually go by Matthew on the air, but uh, you can call me whatever. But like, so it's a like my mom would call me Mamai in public, and I had to stop her. Like, is, do you have a thing like that with Matt? Where like if somebody calls you so, Matt if they're not like in a certain circle, you don't really do that. So the reason that I go by Matthew in part is because if you say my whole name Matt Collar and you don't pause, it sounds like Mac Oller, like I'm a fullback. Or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> so like, so like the, the the W helps it. So it's Matthew Collard, right? So it's a little it's a little easier. Hey, that's good. That's good to know, man. I just want some clarification. So going into the bye week, if you had to give a grade to this Vikings team right now, based on everything you've seen, not for what maybe they could have been if everyone had been healthy, but like who they are right now, what grade would you give them and why? Well, I think that who they are at this very moment with Everson Griffin and Delvin Cook healthy is a B-plus if we're giving an A to the Los Angeles Rams and the New Orleans Saints. I think with those two players back that they are such game changers, as you saw against the Detroit Lions where Everson Griffin uh, led the team in pressures, even though Daniel Hunter had more sacks. It was Everson Griffin doing just as much damage. And then the 70-yard run by Delvin Cook. And when I was looking back at the tape, too, the other day, I see a couple of screen passes that were very close to him breaking big plays, too. So, I mean, you, you're talking about two complete game changers that take this roster from being pretty good to, I think, just about as good as anybody in the league. The only difference between them and the best teams now is that one of the best teams has Drew Brees and the other one has Sean McVay and Aaron Donald. And, you know, I think that that's kind of what puts those teams ahead. But if you're talking about the rest of the NFC and where the Vikings sit, I think they're right in that same space as someone like Carolina, who is a little bit flawed but also a very good team with a quarterback who's capable of playing at an MVP level. Um, so I think it's right in that second tier. And, and considering all the things that they had to go through with the injuries, Everson Griffin's situation, Tony Sperano passing away to start training camp, the fact that they are in a pretty good position here in the NFC North, I, I think A is a really good job by Mike Zimmer and B, uh, just the, the whole team to bounce back from some bad losses uh, against Buffalo and then in Los Angeles was a tough one to sit defense, get it back together. I think right now they're in the best spot that they've been the entire season. Hey, Matthews, Chip, um, when you look at Kirk Cousins' first half, is it um, about what you thought? Exceeded expectations? How do you kind of uh, summarize it? Well, first, thanks for identifying yourself, Chip. I never would have recognized <laughs> who that would have been. <laughs> Who is this? Uh, uh, so the, the way that I would look at Kirk Cousins' first half is uh, welcome everyone to the Kirk Cousins experience, right? I mean, this has been every single box checked of what Kirk Cousins is. There have been times 
where he has made nothing short of spectacular throws. I mean, the guy has remarkable arm talent. He's got great accuracy, and it's no surprise to anybody who watched him in D.C. to put him up these big numbers and having his receivers at the top of the league in all the statistical categories. And then you've seen the other stuff, too. You've seen the drawbacks. You've seen where he throws an inexplicable interception. He's number one in the league in fumbles since he was uh, became a full-time starting quarterback. And so we've seen some of that. And some of those mistakes have cost them games. I mean, you know, in New Orleans, who knows how that thing plays out. And I know that Stephon Diggs uh, stopped on the route. But Kirk Cousins, over his career, has this tendency to make mistakes worse instead of covering up for him. And I think you've seen that. But at the same time, you've seen exactly why they wanted to pay $84 million for this quarterback. You see why they selected him over Case Keenum and you know, not knowing what Teddy Bridgewater's future was going to be, why they selected him over Sam Bradford or any of the other options that might have been out there for a trade like Tyrod Taylor because he's a very, very good thrower of the ball. And he's shown that if the defense does have some struggles at times, that he can keep you in a shootout, which I don't think would have been true for Case Keenum. So I, mean, I think I would put the same sort of grade on him and how this move has worked out, that it's kind, of, it's kind of a B, but that's what you needed from Kirk Cousins in order for this team to kind of maximize everything it has on the roster. Matthew, I know we've kind of talked about this during the week and really the last couple of weeks about just the schedule that they have the rest of the season. And you look at how difficult it gets with having to go to New England and to Seattle. And we know this this matchup with the Bears out of the bye is not going to be a walk in the park. But where are that? Where are they in terms of how many more games that they need to win uh, to to get into a, a position to win this division? Because I I don't I don't think the Bears are as good as them, but the Bears have an easier schedule. So you have to look at this as as if the Vikings need to win as many games as they possibly can just to hold off a Bears team that could be right on their heels just because Chicago has an easier schedule. Yeah, you know, it seems like every week we're talking about how this is the biggest game of the year or a must-win or something for this team, and and that's kind of the position they put themselves in with that loss to Buffalo and uh, the loss in L.A., but, I mean, this feels the same way when they're going to go up against Chicago here, that this game is so huge for how many they need to win and what they'll have to do down the stretch and what the margin for error is going to be. I mean, when you look at what comes after that, it's Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Russell Wilson back-to-back-to-back weeks. You just couldn't draw it up any more difficult than that. So when you go to Chicago, an opportunity to gain a ton of ground with a win there to get to the top of the division. Uh, I don't trust Green Bay at all to jump back in this, even though Green Bay does have an easier schedule than Minnesota. But, I mean, it it looks to me like that's going to be such a huge swing game. And if they lose that one, I mean, you're talking about having to win uh, something like five out of the next six or seven, uh, you know, to even get into the playoffs because you know that Carolina's probably got one of those wild card spots. And and also that game in Seattle is going to be huge because Seattle's going to be in that race as well. And don't be surprised if if Atlanta, you know, continues to go on the run they're going. They have one of the best passing offenses in the league. So, you know, when I look at this, I mean, nine wins might do it for you if two of those are against Chicago. If one is a loss to Chicago or both, I mean, then you're talking about needing 10 wins and really uh, running through those great quarterbacks. So, I mean, the way I look at it is, this kind of ties back into Kirk Cousins, is that everyone's really going to be tested here. That If they're going to get there, if they're going to win this division, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be like last year where they clinched it by winning in 
Cincinnati and then you know beating Chicago. I mean, this is going to be really uh, have to require great quarterbacking performances against some of the best. And for Mike Zimmer's defense, all those adjustments that he's talked about fixing the defense, they will all be tested as we go down this final stretch. Yeah, Matthew, that was my uh, that was going to be my question to you next one. That it looks like this defense has kind of found its footing again, and, and looked like the defense we saw last year. Uh, minus the final two games. There's been a lot of talk the last, what, two weeks about why they kind of fell apart earlier in the year and that Zimmer said, you know, a lot of teams are starting to mimic what they were doing, so offenses had schemed for that and, and adjusted, and now they had to go back and adjust. Are you seeing the last couple weeks, some of those, are they noticeable changes, do you think, or is it just, uh, you know, is, for lack of a better thing, the defense was playing better and not getting beat on some of those plays, big plays that they were giving up earlier in the year. Well, I do think part of it is against New Orleans. Uh, the Vikings helped the Saints so much with a couple turnovers that the Saints didn't really need to bring out the full uh, you know, book of tricks there with Drew Brees. So he throws for 120 yards because they were just handing off and killing clock on an eight-minute drive. So that would have been, I think, a better look for me to decide whether this was for real or if it was just a Lions team that maybe has given up and, you know, New York and, and Arizona. But there are a couple things that you can see on tape that, that I would say are, are very noticeable. Uh, one, there was a, a certain types of routes that were really hurting them that you saw. You saw San Francisco use it with the tight end where he came across the formation and went down the field, and then uh, Los Angeles did the same thing. And they, they were finding ways to create matchups, bad matchups for the Vikings, because they knew the Vikings' assignment. So when you see a receiver come off the line a certain way, they knew that that coverage would be Anthony Barr has to follow that guy and then hope that the safety stays over the top. So that so they would know that and scheme against it. And you clearly saw against Detroit two times the Lions tried that same thing that worked for San Francisco and worked for Los Angeles, and instead they had two safeties right over the top of that wide receiver instead of a one-on-one matchup. So that's clearly different. The third downs are clearly different. Zimmer is sending pressure from all over the place, and he's not using his famous double-A gap blitz because everyone figured it out. So I think you are absolutely seeing Mike Zimmer make those, those changes and those adjustments required to get back to being a top defense. I think the biggest thing, though, if we're projecting the rest of the way is does Everson Griffin play like he did against Detroit the rest of the way? Because if he does, they are top three defenses in the NFL. I mean, he is just that dominant, and I think that's where everything starts. And without him, they're just a completely different defense. Matthew, I do a, a Sunday NFL show on ESPN Radio with Dan Orlovsky and Matt Jones. We talk quarterbacks all the time, and it's been such a fun year for, for quarterbacks between Jared Goff and Drew Brees and the NFC. I think Cam Newton, more people need to talk about him. And obviously, you've got your Mahomes and, and Brady. Can, can Kirk Cousins, when the time comes, this team gets into the playoffs, and he's got to battle one of those elite quarterbacks? Because I think you have to beat an elite quarterback in 2018 to advance in the playoffs. The, the pool is just too good. Can Kirk Cousins step up and be that guy when he has to be against an elite quarterback for the Vikings? You know, I, I think what might determine that is whether the Vikings have a home or away game. And, and that's not based on his performances. That's based on the defense's performance. Because as much as I respect Kirk Cousins' talent and think uh, they made the right move by bringing him here, it's just been very clear from watching him week in, week in and week out 
that he's not in that same category of those elite quarterbacks. And you are 100% right that historically, aside from the Trent Dilfers of the world, but that was a long time ago, usually it's an elite quarterback raising that trophy at the end, um, you know, or somebody who just happens to get super hot like a Joe Flacco or Eli Manning. But, um, you know, if you were putting Cousins in that type of category uh, and asking him to go beat elite quarterbacks week in and week out, it's going to have to start on the other side of the ball, and then he's going to have to not make those big mistakes. But, you know, this defense at home is so dominant, and you saw it against the Lions, but you also saw that on the road they're not always that good. And, and that goes for, you know, last year at the NFC Championship, how Philadelphia was able to adjust their protections and things like that at the line of scrimmage because they didn't have to deal with the noise. And then that's where this final stretch is going to be so important. So, I mean, I, I think circumstances kind of determine that. And that's what you get when you have the 12th best quarterback in the NFL is, yes, you can win with that guy, absolutely, but Delvin Cook better be healthy. You better be able to run the ball. You better break some big plays on screens. You better play great defense. I, I think that's what it is. But, you know, with, Kurt, uh, with Case Keenum, I never believed that they could actually do it. I, I thought that the gap is just so big in talent between him and someone like Breeze that I don't think that they could win against a team like that or a quarterback like that. Uh, they, they did on a miracle play, but, I mean, if you're talking about running all the way through the playoffs, I never bought into that through last season. Cousins is much more talented. So I do buy into that it's possible, but I think it is very difficult still unless this defense is playing at the, the best level they've played all year when they get to that spot. Good stuff as usual, Matthew. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back after this. We're going to talk more Vikings. Thanks, Matthew. Thanks, guys. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Please, continue. On 1500 ESPN. All right, a couple traffic uh, reports to give you here. 36 eastbound. We've got a traffic incident reported. Uh, near Pine Springs, that's between 694 and Viking Drive, so be on the lookout for that. And also, uh, 36 uh, eastbound, we've got debris on the roadway in uh, Roseville, that's between Lexington and Victoria. So uh, be on the lookout for those two areas on 36. Gentlemen. Myron Metcalf back here filling in. Uh, for either Mac or Judd. I don't know which one I'm officially <laughs> filling in. Flip a for. coin. Flip, Flip yeah, a cord. I'm filling in for one of them. Uh, Chip Scoggins here and Matty Hill. Um, we just had Matthew Collar on talking Vikings. So, so like my last question to Matthew, like I feel like there are so many great quarterbacks this year, and we always have a pool of, of, of quarterbacks that are really good. This is, to me, maybe I'm wrong, the first time we've had so many veteran quarterbacks playing this well with so many young up and coming quarterbacks playing this well. Yeah. Like I think if you get to the playoffs, right? If the Vikings are a playoff team, you're going to need an elite quarterback, at least an elite quarterback performance mm-hmm. yeah. to have a chance yep. to win. Because I just think your, your Breeze, your Goffs, no one's talking about Russell Wilson and that defense, but if they sneak in, mm. they could be a dangerous team. Carolina Panthers with Cam Newton and North Turner, which has been sort of this beautiful marriage. You know, what happens if, if Matt Ryan and the Falcons get healthy and figure it out and they mm-hmm. get to the playoffs? Yeah. I just think in the NFC and the AFC, but in the NFC, you're going to have to beat a good quarterback. Can Kirk Cousins beat another elite quarterback? I would say TBA. Yeah. Yeah. Or TBD. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, and we've seen him play at that level that you're talking about with some yeah. of the throws he's made. 
Um, look at the second half at, at Green Bay. True. Look at other um, Browns. But, yeah, but that is not the playoffs. And so, exactly. so we've seen him play at a really high level. But I think what, what Matthew was talking about too, and, and giving him a B, is those turnovers. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to do that in the playoffs. You can't get you know stripped from behind, and and it, it, it does help that if this defense is back to where we we you know we we've seen it before. And if they figured out kind of the adjustments that they have to make to people um, trying to scheme them, then it does help that you're going to have a top three defense going yeah. against. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like, I don't think they're ever going to be in a position where they say, all right, Kurt, go win a game for us. It's all on you. I mean, that's not yeah. how this team is built. That's not how Mike Zimmer wants to operate. He wants to play great defense. You are going to have to, it's not like the quarterback can be a passenger, but I don't think they're ever just going to say, this is all on you. you you've got to, you know, uh, win a shootout. That's not yeah. how they're built, and so, um, but I think it is still to be determined that how how will he react when they get in the postseason? If they get in the postseason, and there's pressure, and yeah. you're going up against mm-hmm. Drew Brees, yeah. or you know Cam Newton's coming here, yeah. or you've got to go to Los Angeles and you're facing this high powered offense, and yeah. you know, you know, 17 points is not going to do it. You're going to need to score a lot. Um, I don't know that anyone can sit here and say. Exactly, and no, we can guarantee this is what's going to happen. I think if this team is going to go on a run, and and I said this to Phil too on uh, on Ventline earlier this week, is if this team's going to go on a run, it's going to have to be the way the Ravens did in 2013, where you have a quarterback who's pretty good, but he's not in that elite category, and he just got hot in the playoffs. Flacco just turned on the Jets, and he was like lights out that whole playoffs where they beat – that indie team with a rookie Andrew Luck in the in the wild card round. Then they go into Denver and they beat Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. He outthrows yeah. Peyton Manning in that playoff game. And then they go into New England and knock off Tom Brady in the AFC Championship game. Like and Joe Flacco was as flawless in yeah. that playoff run as you could yeah, ask a quarterback to be. And that's I think you combine that with you know the Ravens played pretty good defense during that run. This is a defense with the Vikings that can get very good and has been very good recently. And I think if you can get Kirk Cousins to go on a playoff run where he eliminates the turnovers, doesn't have the fumbles and the bad interceptions, I think they've got a pretty good shot. See, I wonder, but, it, but he has, but he has to get rid of those mistakes. Well, but with That's Flacco, it. with yeah. Flacco, I agree with Flacco. That defense was so good. Um, he got hot, but that defense helped him so much. I feel like even with, even if the defense surges, right. And mm-hmm. continues to play well. So many games this season have already come down to the fourth quarter. I mean, you mm-hmm. look at the Saints and their record and how many fourth quarter finishes they've had to have mm-hmm. in order to pull out some wins. Like, I feel like you're going to have to win if you're Kirk Cousins in those scenarios mm-hmm. where it's going to come down to tie game, close game. Yeah. You just got to go make plays, man. So yeah. can can he do that? Yeah. Well, look, Flacco, remember that playoff game in Denver? That overtime game where yeah. Flacco they hit the they hit the hail mary at the end. Yeah, it was yeah. awful coverage by the by the Broncos, but that was Flacco making a big play and a big throw. And that's to your point, Myron. That's what it's going to take for Kirk Cousins for this team to go on a run. It's going to take stuff like that, probably. Yeah, and and you know he does have the weapons. Yeah, yeah he, no excuses there. So you have He's the weapons. Better so weapons yeah. than what Flacco had. It, correct. <laughs> and so you have the wide receivers. If if Cook is back and he gets healthy. Um, I think that's going to change the offense. And so, yeah, but you're right, Myron. It might come down to the fourth quarter, and Breeze just makes plays 
puts them ahead and yeah. now you got to respond. You got to yeah. you got to mm-hmm. you got to answer to that. And so yeah. I do like Cousins makeup. I, I think he's a tough competitor. I think he's pretty fearless in terms of yeah, trying to take shots. But those turnovers sometimes mm-hmm. he'll he'll make a throw that you're like, "Ooh, that yeah. that's not good." And can the line hold up? I mean, his fumbles some of them are him holding the ball to try to uh, let a play develop, so he buys it's that point. too much, yeah, and he gets hit from behind. That's the things that if you're in a trying to be a champion and you're in the playoffs, you just can't have those kind of mistakes. Security, expect to win. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's to me that's the one concern. It's not whether he can make make the big plays. I think he can do that. It's yeah. can he avoid that mistake? Yeah. And that's you know that's to me we've seen those mistakes. Uh, the turnovers, and that's that's where you could really uh, put them in a hole. I think we all agree the margin for error is is slim. Mm-hmm. There's so many good teams in NFC. They, I mean, I mean so many good quarterbacks and so many good teams. Yeah, and Kenny, you got to be able to compete because I'm watching. You know, I'm watching Cam Newton and what's happening with Cam Newton's playing the best football of his career. Nobody's talking about it. Yeah, but he, he Norv Turner has changed his career. I mean, it, it's amazing. You Drew Brees, everyone knows about. I think he's the MVP right now, but. A Matt Ryan and the Falcons, they get healthy. They're Seattle's, starting to look Seattle's interesting. Playing well, better. Russell Wilson, I mean, there's yeah. some quarterbacks nobody where... Nobody wants to play the Rams. Nobody <laughs> wants... So there are some quarterbacks in the NFC and some teams where you're going, can, can they can they beat them if it comes down to a tight game? They can blow anybody out, especially yeah. you come here and if they get out to a strong start. The Vikings can run with that. But I feel like you're going to be in a game if you get into the playoffs where you're going to have to fight it out drive by drive by drive. And and Matthew alluded to it. Can you go on the road and do that? Now, yeah. They're a different when you're at home in that crowd and that defense is you know frothing and they're going at I mean that they're they're tough to yeah. to handle but we, can you go on the road? Different can deal. you take that on the road? Yeah. That that's the uh the million dollar question. We'll figure it out though, won't we? I mean, like in the next couple of weeks we'll yeah, have because- a better idea of like can they go? Can you go? I look at the can you go into Seattle? And beat Russell Wilson. Uh, they've Can been you? right. Seattle, you know, I think they play the Rams this weekend. They've been right there. Yeah. With, I mean, they were right there with the Chargers. They've mm-hmm. been right there with some good teams. Hey, and, yeah. and I know they won in Chicago last year, but they, you know, over the last however many years, they haven't played well in Chicago. Yep. No. Can you, can you go in there? That is a that house defense? of horrors. I'll tell you what, say what you want about Mitchell Trubisky. Ain't flashy. Not necessarily a big play guy. He's been doing what you're, we're talking about, Kirk Cousins needs to do. He's been making the plays. And putting them in a position to use that defense to dominate, right? Mm-hmm. He's been efficient in the last couple of weeks, and I think that's going to be the thing. At a minimum, you're going to need that from Kirk Cousins to beat a team like Chicago, to beat a team like Seattle. But even with that, even if your defense is there, even if you're playing efficient football, that fourth quarter, a tight game, just making that play. I know Diggs is there. I know Thielen. I know they have all those weapons. But you watch Breeze and the Rams; those were just plays yeah. like when 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 he audibled. And saw that Marcus Peters was on the beach with Carl Towns and Andrew Wiggins, <laughs> and he caught him on that play. Like those are the kinds of things you're going to have to match up with and deal with. Yeah. Uh, if you're the Minnesota Vikings, I'm definitely anxious uh, to see it. We will be back after this. Chip, uh, thank you. Thank, thank you, Chip. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you for, for yeah. Thank you for reunion. Uh, I, I, reunion starts your bit. We didn't even know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Chip. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN.